Can everyone hear me okay? I do move around a little bit, so I think it's better if I go this route. <laughs> well, good morning. I appreciate the introduction. As he said, I am from uh, Elkhorn City, Kentucky. And uh, I did serve uh, in the military. I was in the Army for about 15 years. Uh, I was in Special Forces, and I was in Iraq uh, for three tours. Uh, seen my share of violence, uh, no doubt. And so I'm thankful. Definitely every, every road and every decision that I've uh, made has led me here today. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for all the experiences that I did have. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done for me and my family and, and continues to do for me. And I'm so thankful, as I said, to be here this morning, uh, hopefully bringing another lesson from God's Word that is acceptable and pleasing in His sight, because that's, that's why we do it, right? Uh, we come here to be pleasing to God and to worship Him and to praise Him. And so I always try to give an introduction as a warning to not really listen so much to the things I say, but pay attention to the parts that I talk about God's Word and to make sure you would be doing me a huge favor that if I said something that is contrary to God's Word and not His will, uh, you will not offend me in the least if you let me know that. Because <laughs> I have to make sure I get it right, right? Because uh, we're all going to be held accountable. And I'm so thankful, uh, as I said, to be here. Uh, if you will turn with me uh, this morning uh, to Luke chapter 9. Uh, Luke chapter 9 is going to really be uh, the starting verse, but we're going to be hanging out a lot in Ecclesiastes. We're going to be looking at other verses as well. Uh, mark in your Bible, get Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 ready, because we're going to be looking at that as a matter of uh, evidence and implication here uh, shortly. But Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be starting, and I'm just going to... Uh, read a couple of passages of Scripture by way of introduction of what we're going to be talking about this morning. And as you can see uh, on the screen above us, we're going to be talking about finding reasons or finding a reason to rejoice. Uh, because what I have found is that a lot of Christians tend to forget this. You know, they walk around and Sometimes you see folks and they look sad, and Christian folks that is, they look sad and they look beaten. You know, have you ever seen people that just look like the world has just won against them? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that the battle has already been fought and we have already won the battle. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. So with that in mind, we have reason to rejoice. We have reason to rejoice at every day that God has blessed us with. But here we are in Luke chapter 9. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2 and verse 9. I'm going to start reading. And it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now you can read the rest of the text right there, but I'm going to stop right there because in this verse alone is the key words that we are going to be talking about this morning. Bringing joy and having joy for all people. 
And I would go so far as to say this morning, being able to rejoice for what Christ has done for us, for what God has done for us, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And here we go. All right. See if it'll work. Yes. <laughs> All right. So now we're tracking this morning. I was a little bit uh, nervous because we didn't have PowerPoint for the Bible lesson, but we're right on track this morning. As you can see from the overhead projector, uh, I want you to consider some questions this morning as we spend this time together. What is God's will for you? And that is a very important question uh, that I want to ask you this morning. And I want to ask, what has been God's will for you in your life in the past, present, and the future? And the next question is, if you aren't saved or not a member of the body of Christ, then the answer to the first question is obvious, isn't it? We don't have to really guess at that, but we're going to look at it in just a minute. If you're not saved this morning, let me go ahead and offer an invitation to you now. Because that God's invitation is not really up to me to give it, although I'm going to give it. That invitation has been extended since the day Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and then was resurrected according to the Scriptures. That is an invitation that is always open. If you're not right with the Lord this morning, please come to the front now and we'll get you taken care of. We'll study. We'll, we'll do the lesson and then we'll do what is necessary to make sure that when you leave here, you'll be a Christian. So if you aren't saved or not a member of the body of Christ, then that answer is obvious. If you are saved then really the context of the question changes just a little bit, but the question still remains because, hey, it's a new year, right? It's now 2018, and it might be a little bit late in the season now to make your New Year's resolutions. Uh, you should have been doing that in December, right? Uh, but if you're like me and kind of drag on that, you know, I always try to make the same resolution, and that is to eat healthy, eat right, do what the Lord would ask me to do, continue to study my Bible, and do things in a right way, you know, I, I'll, but being healthy. You know, I can't go and preach the gospel if I'm not healthy, if I'm not eating right, so I try to do that. And so we have to ask our questions, what is God's will uh, for our life? And so, um, so we have to, as I said, we have to find reasons to rejoice this coming year because that is something that God absolutely wants us to do. If we look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 9, we already know that God's will toward us is peace and joy. That was given to all men when Christ came, uh, came to be with us. But let's look at more evidence here. How do we know that God wants us to rejoice? Luke chapter 2 and verse 9 should have been enough, but let's look at the things that God has given us so that we may rejoice. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 simply says this. You can go there and look at it. I'll give you a second to turn to it. But Galatians chapter 4 says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. In other words, God loved us so much that He sent His Son to us. Now the implication of this is, is, there's a lot of implications of this. The first one was, man was dead in sin and needed a Savior. I don't think, if we read the Bible, I don't think anybody would dispute that, right? I mean, can I stand up here after reading First John and say that I have no sin? Nobody can say that. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned, 
and fall short of the glory of God. And I would recommend reading 1 John if you're a Christian, because if we still say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. So I know I've sinned. And I know I continue to sin sometimes, whether willfully or unwillfully, but I know that I must walk in the light as He is in the light. And if I walk in the life, if I, if I try to be faithful, then the blood of Jesus Christ will continue to cleanse me. You see, so many Christians get this part wrong because they believe, well, you know, I'm not perfect. Well, you don't have to be perfect. You have to be faithful, and that's what God expects from us. But man was dead in sin. Their soul was dead in sin. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 20 through 28. But we can understand that God loved us so much, He was willing to provide us a way for salvation in a way that we can understand to be at the greatest cost. Sacrifice. Now I was talking to some folks in here earlier, and uh, the words military and some folks served up in Maine and some folks served overseas. Now, if you've ever served in the military, you know what sacrifice is. You know what it means to get up early in the morning. You know what it means to do PT in the morning, just give all yourself to the military. You may know what it means to go overseas and serve. And you may even know what it means to lose brethren in combat. You may know what it's like to see folks lay down their life for their country. Folks, that's sacrifice. That is love for their country. Jesus said, No greater love hath any man than to give his life for his own brother. And he said that, and then he went and died, and he hung upon a cross for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, I've got a whole sermon on love. And when I say that, people look at me like, oh, you know about love? No, I, I know a little bit about love, but I don't know anything about God's love for us other than what He has showed us. And I know enough about God to know that He loves us because He did this. He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. And because Jesus Christ did that, that demands from us a great response or a choice or a decision. You see, we've been brought to that. Jesus Christ did that, and now we have a choice to make because He did that. You see, and then He was resurrected, and now He is sitting on His throne in heaven. He is advocating for us. He has given us an avenue of prayer, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We can now boldly go before the throne of grace because of what He did. If you're a Christian, you can do that. You see, this great sacrifice, can you imagine? I mean, I think about what kind of a sacrifice this actually was. First of all, God gave His only begotten Son to die for me and for you. And can you imagine if you're Jesus Christ up there in heaven? Wait, wait a minute, you want me to go down there and do what? But He did it, didn't He? He did it for us. He did it for us. Not that we would automatically be saved. But He, he did that for us so that we would have the choice as to whether or not we want to follow Him or not. 
to me, that's even a, a bigger sacrifice. You know, I might do something like that if you had no choice. You know, I, I'm not giving them a choice. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to give my life for them so that way they have no choice but to do what I tell them. Folks, He loves us so much that He made that sacrifice and we still have a choice. And people today are still choosing wrong. How scary is that? That God went to such great lengths to make sure that we would have an avenue of salvation and people still rejecting. People still rejecting today. So what does God want for us? God wants us to find peace and rejoice and in the great lengths that He went to for you and me. Look at, let's look at Jesus Christ alone. The great lengths that Jesus Christ went to. He set aside His crown in heaven. He come to earth. We just read about His birth. He did that. And then He spent time here on earth amongst us. And He preached the gospel. Remember, He, he went up into the mountain and, and then uh, He was tempted by Satan. Three different temptations for 40 days. That in and of itself, once again, a great sacrifice. I went to ranger school for 60 days and I thought I was going to die from starvation <laughs> and lack of sleep. But he went without food for 40 days. Tempted by Satan three times. Comes back off that mountain in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He knew why He was there. He knew what His purpose was. And He did it for us. To seek and save the lost and to call sinners to repentance. That's why He did it. That was His ministry. And then He went to the cross. He died on the cross. He suffered tremendous persecution. I can't even, I can't even hardly read when I read about the things that he went through, I can't even hardly read it. Because I can only imagine, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff over in Iraq that I wish I could never see again or I wish I could unsee it at the suffering that they went through. And it was nothing compared to what Christ went through. We can read about it. And every time I read it, my mind just starts flashing through, starts flashing through the suffering that he went through. Can't even hardly imagine his death. Started one night suffering all the way into the next day and then hanging on a cross. And people still reject it. And then he went through all that only to have such a great triumphant return, right? He was resurrected from the dead which allows us now to do all of this, right? We can sit in here in comfort because we know that we serve a risen Savior. And He is sitting on His throne in heaven, ruling with the scepter of righteousness as the scepter of His kingdom. And He is blessed above all, right? He is, he is uh, Jesus Christ. He ascended into heaven on clouds and He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. That's what He told us to do. And that's where he's at right now. And so, <clears throat> we have to ask the question, why go 
through teaching us these things, why, why do all of this if not for wanting us, for any other reason, for wanting us to join Him and to be in heaven? You think about all the great lengths that He went to. Well, He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be saved and He wants us to rejoice in the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Where are all spiritual blessings found? They are found in Christ. Well, that we have to ask the next question, how do we get in Christ? Because that's where all the spiritual blessings are. God wants us and has afforded us the ability to rejoice and to experience full joy of this life. This life which is only found in Christ. Now, if you're a Christian here this morning, you have no need ever to be sad in this life. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. The second question remains, and I'll get to what I was going to say, but I didn't want to get ahead of myself. But the second question remains, but the question is the same, right? It, it, uh, the context has changed. If we have been saved and we are living a Christian life, then we know where true joy is found. What more does God want for us? Make no mistake about it. He wants us to stay saved. He wants us to enjoy this life. With the understanding, of course, there are going to be hard times. No one is disputing that. I don't want you to think I'm up here preaching just a feel-good sermon, right? We know there's going to be hard times. We've all experienced hard times in our life. We've all experienced sickness. We've all experienced some sort of losing loved ones. But God still wants us to be saved. And He wants us to stay saved. And He wants us to experience the joy in this life that can only come through the spiritual blessings in Christ. He wants us to continue to rejoice in the things He has made possible in whatever situation or, or walk in life that we find ourselves. Folks, if you're still sitting here this morning, you still have living to do, right? And so, with that in mind... He has given us His Word to, to help us continue on this journey that we call life and to experience joy every single minute of it no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're experiencing in our life. That is what God's goal and what God's will is for us. How do I know that? Look at the sacrifice. Look at what He did for us. Now, we're going to suffer in this life. We're going to have hard times. But as I said at the beginning, the battle is already won if you're a Christian. You have an eternal home in heaven to look forward to. So now let's make some application of what we just talked about here. If you're a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, the Bible tells us that we are to rejoice in life, even in our youth. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes, because now we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes, when we're going to be making some <clears throat> um, application here. Let me get there. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And so I put the verses up there, and if you notice, I do take my time because I didn't write the verses out. 
but it'll give you time to write them down and you can go and study them. And so I, I try to kind of do that whenever I do preach any sermon, so it's not really anything new. You'll see me pause up here, get to the verses, and that basically just allows you to do the same. But here we understand that God wants us, each and every one of us, individually to rejoice, rejoice in life. He says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Pleasure in the days. You see, that is an admonition to serve God while you're young. You see, a lot of the younger generation don't understand this. Or they can't grasp the concept of what Christ did for them. I don't know, a lot of them can't. Some of them can. I don't want to categorize everybody, but I truly believe sometimes that as you get older and you see really a person's life and you spend time with people only to lose loved ones, uh, then you kind of get the idea of what, what love is and what God means and what He did and why the sacrifice was so important. Uh, but it, when you're young, it's kind of hard to do that because especially nowadays you've got so, much other, so many other things on your mind, right? You've got your TV, you got your internet, you got your phones. I got my phone, I got my iPad, right? I'm not trying to bust anybody out for that or make them feel bad. We all have the same common struggles and the same common things. And so the, uh, but we have this admonition here for the younger generation to remember. And if you remember, remember this. If you do remember your Creator in the days of thy youth, the days that you live on this earth are going to be filled with joy. Because that's what God, that's how God designed it. That's what He wants for us. We are to rejoice in our work. You can go and look these verses up. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 24. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 12 and 13. And Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I'm not going to go and read all those, but I want you to look at them. Because it does deal with our work, right? Can you imagine going to work, if you still work, you may be retired or whatever the situation may be, but can you imagine going to your job and just dragging through your day and just being downtrodden and sad all the time and then you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to have something different. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. The light on a hill cannot be hid. People are going to look at you. They're going to see how you live. So therefore we rejoice in our work, even no matter how bad it is, right? We're going to let our light so shine before men so that they will want what we have and in doing so, hopefully converting a few souls along the way because uh, that's only the Great Commission. That's what Jesus told us to do, right? (laughs) To convert people, to do the work of an evangelist. Show full proof of thy ministry. Study to show thyself approved unto God. We're supposed to do all these things. So in life with your spouse or your family, people are looking at your family, believe it or not. If you're rejoicing in your family, in your spouse, and how you guys live, people are going to take notice of that, and they're going to want to be a part of that, and that's what we're supposed to do. He wants us to make sure that we rejoice Responsibly. First Timothy chapter six. Let's go back there real quick. First <clears throat> uh, Timothy chapter six, verses seventeen through nineteen. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in certain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. 
And he goes on to say that they do good, that they be rich in good works, responsibility, in the things, in the material blessings, and the spiritual blessings that God has blessed us with, right? That's just living responsibly. That's just being a Christian. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. <coughs> That's another three-point sermon right there. Sorry I'm losing my voice a little bit because uh, I think I am coming down with a little something. It's been kind of coming on the last couple of days. But did you hear that? Do good, they, that they do good, that they be rich in good works. You see, that's telling us, well, if you do have money, because a lot of people say, well, money is the root of all evil. Well, no, not if you are doing rich in your good works, in showing people love, willing to, ready to distribute, and willing to communicate. I would go so far as to say communicating the gospel, because you truly love someone when you are willing to put aside your differences and you are willing to share the gospel with someone no matter how they may react, because trust me folks, the gospel is offensive. <laughs> you try to tell somebody the gospel of what they must do in order to be saved, and they say, whoa, whoa wait a minute, I've already been saved. Uh, I was saved when I said the sinner's prayer. Or I was saved when I felt that emotional feeling and the Spirit just picked me up and moved me to the front. I knew I was saved then. Have you ever had people say that? <laughs> well, you're going to cut right through all that because you love them and you're going to share with them the gospel in a loving way. So we have to be willing to communicate. And then he goes on to say, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Why are we here this morning? What is the sole purpose of who you are? Well, we're here because we want to lay hold of that, don't we? We want to lay hold of eternal life. Knowing all of our faults, knowing all of our inner discrepancies, knowing all of our sin. We have been given the chance and the hope of eternal life. So we have to rejoice in our salvation and knowing that we are saved. Luke chapter 10 and verse 20 is one that I absolutely wanted to read. Uh, I won't read the rest of those verses uh, because I don't know how much time. I kind of lost track of time. But if we go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 20, it says, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. How wonderful is that? If you're a Christian here this morning, we have reason to rejoice, don't we? No matter what life throws at us, if we remain faithful, we, are, uh, we have reason to rejoice because our names are already written in heaven. On that day of judgment, He's going to break out two books according to Revelation chapter 21. He's going to break out one book of our life and one book that we're going to be judged by. And then He's going to say one of two things, Enter ye into the joy of the kingdom, or depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Now if you're a Christian this morning, you know what He's going to say. And that gives us reason 
to rejoice. And so we rejoice as a kingdom quality and re, uh, because that is what those in the kingdom do. They rejoice. And of course, we rejoice in the fruit of the Spirit. We can go back and read Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, I believe it is. And we can look and we uh, have reasons to rejoice as well. So uh, how do we rejoice in our life and salvation? Well, in Christ, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, that's how he tells us to do it. God's mercy is for all and is the greatest source of joy in existence. Psalm chapter 31 and verse 7. So let me ask you now, this morning, do you have reason to rejoice? Are you a Christian? Because uh, bottom line is, folks, if you're not a Christian, whether you know this or not, I don't want to step off and break my leg here. <laughs> If you're not a Christian, make no mistake, there is no reason to rejoice because you don't have the promise of eternal life. And really, ultimately, that is the only reason to rejoice in this life is the hope and the promise that we are going to go to heaven when we, when we die, when we pass away. That is why we're here. That is why we do what we do. If you're not a Christian this morning, you don't have that hope. But you can get it. That's the beauty of it. You can make the choice as to whether or not you want to go to heaven or not. The choice is yours. It's always been yours. And God has made that possible through His Son, Jesus Christ, in obedience to the gospel of Christ. Hearing the Word of God, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, confessing Christ before men, repenting of your sins, and being baptized in water to wash away those sins. Romans chapter 6 tells us when we are buried with Him, we come up out of that water and we walk in newness of life. That is where we come in contact with the blood of Christ. That is how we apply it to our lives. And then the Bible tells us to remain faithful. 1 John chapter 1, walk in the light as He is in the light and the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that we came in contact when we were baptized, will continue to cleanse us. If you're here this morning and you've not obeyed the gospel, why don't you come now? as we get ready and stand and we get ready and sing.